is love. Good morning. A very happy Resurrection Day to all of you. He is risen. Amen. Today, we begin a short series called This is Love. We're going to talk about how the resurrection changed everything. Because of the resurrection, we know what the cross was all about. Because of Easter, we understand the meaning of Good Friday. Because of the resurrection and what Jesus did at the cross, dying in our place, taking our sins, Jesus entered into our pain and shame. At the cross, Jesus bore the just wrath of God for our sins. Jesus came and took the very weight of evil itself so that its power could be broken. And because Jesus didn't stay in the grave, because he rose from the dead, we know that the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ was God in his love through Christ freeing us from sin. God in his love overcoming death. God in his love announcing new life has come. You see, it's because of the death and resurrection of Jesus that we know the love of God. When Jesus, on the cross, took our sins, when we look to Jesus, the risen Savior, we can say, this is love. Today I want to talk to you about how the resurrection of Jesus is about God conquering death. Death is the great tragedy of our human experience. Jerry Oppenheimer's book, Crazy Rich, Power, Scandal, and Tragedy Inside the Johnson & Johnson Dynasty, recounts the story of a family made unimaginably wealthy by Band-Aids and baby powder. There are endless stories of at least four generations, extravagances we can't fathom, the worst of family relationships, runaway addictions, brutality and raw power, they were rotting in their wealth. For instance, when Robert Johnson Jr. died, the book said he left an immense fortune of hundreds of millions of dollars in Johnson & Johnson stock to the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. But his last words to one of his nurses before he died, shortly after 6 p.m. on January 30th, 1968, At the age of 74, he said, I have millions, and I would give everything I have if someone could come and make me well. Death is a great tragedy of our human experience. The fear of all fears is death. Psychologists have observed that just about every society has their own version of immortality symbols, things that give one the feeling of living forever. In ancient times, it was being properly enshrined or buried among the gods. Think about the pharaohs in Egypt and the Great Pyramids or the Taj Mahal in India. For Americans, it's about big houses and big trust funds and retirement accounts, perhaps getting your name on a building, perhaps having your name on some great philanthropic foundation, things that we think will live on long after us. We want to make a name for ourselves, to leave our mark, and therefore carry our legacy forward. Some of those things aren't bad. Wanting to leave this world a a better place for future generations is admirable. 
But as far as being an immortality symbol, as far as something that actually makes us live on after death, they fall woefully short. Because death is the great ending. The great finality. The inescapable curtain call. So when Jesus went to the cross on that Friday, it was anything but good. His followers were devastated. The dream was over. Like the disciples on the road to Emmaus said, they had hoped that he would be the Messiah, but now the hope had ended in death. Their heads hung low. Their bodies felt lifeless. Their hearts felt hollow. And their eyes were swollen from weeping. How could this be death? The great ending had conquered. It's good not to rush past that moment. You see, the darkness and the tragedy of Good Friday capture how we often feel in our own lives, overwhelmed by the brokenness in this world, filled with discouragement or despair, aware of the darkness and fear in our own hearts and lives. Death is the end of all possibilities. And if there's no answer for death, then all the answers don't matter at all. What can lift our heavy hearts? What is the real something that makes us live on after death? Love is as strong as death, the poet said in Song of Solomon 8, verse 6. There is one exception said the father on Easter morning, there is a love that is stronger. On that first Easter morning, God the Father showed the world there is a love that is stronger than death. The great immortality symbol ever is an empty tomb. The preaching of the New Testament stresses the reality of the resurrection that God the Father raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus wasn't some sort of Superman figure brought to the brink of death by some evil villain, but then somehow musters up his last bit of life to burst free. The gospel writers and the first preachers of the truth of Jesus want us to know that Jesus really, truly died. He was buried fully dead. But God the Father did not abandon His beloved Son in the grave. He vindicates His faithful obedience. He vindicates His sacrificial death by raising Him up to new life. The very first sermon of the church recorded for us in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 22 the Apostle Peter stands up and says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, 
I saw the Lord always before me, for he's at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life and you will make me full of gladness in your presence. Brothers, I say to you with confidence about the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet, knowing that God had sworn with him an oath, that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ that he would not be abandoned to Hades, nor that his flesh would see corruption. This Jesus, God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. The very first sermon of the church about the resurrection, the death, the victory of Jesus Christ. Well, then the very first message ever recorded about the Apostle Paul preaching, stresses the fact of the resurrection in Acts chapter 13, starting at verse 28. And it says, And although they found in Jesus no guilt worthy of death, the Apostle Paul proclaimed, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people. And we bring you the good news that what God had promised to the fathers, this he had fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus. As also it is written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And as for the fact that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption. He has spoken in this way, I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Therefore, he says in another psalm, you will not let your holy one see corruption. Do you get it? The preaching of the New Testament stresses the reality, the verifiable fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul emphasized the centrality of the importance of the resurrection of Jesus in his teaching and in his church planting. But some Christians in the city of Corinth, they just weren't sure. They wondered if it was all really that necessary to believe. Why did it matter if Jesus had to actually be raised from the dead? These questions brought out some of Paul's clearest teachings on the resurrection in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Please turn there if you'd like to. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to be looking at several passages in that chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting at verse 12. The scripture says, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain and your faith is in vain. 
We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that He raised Christ, whom He did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if Christ, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we in Christ have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But, the scripture says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ, then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of God to the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. You see, the resurrection is not just something we believe. It is the very linchpin on which all of our faith rests. You see, if the resurrection is true, and it is, that Jesus is who he said he is, then Christianity is true. The resurrection changes everything. Well, now let's look at four things that Paul is teaching here in, in 1 Corinthians 15 about the resurrection from this passage. First is the fact of the resurrection. Michael Green wrote in his book, Man Alive, Christianity does not hold the resurrection to be one among many tenets of belief. Without faith in the resurrection, there would be no Christianity at all. The Christian church would never have begun and Christianity would have fizzled Christianity stands or falls upon the truth of the resurrection. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 that if Christ wasn't raised from the dead, he lists these things. Our preaching would be useless. Our faith would be futile. Our testimony about God would be false. We would still be lost in our sins. There would be no hope for those who have died. And if all we have is hope in Christ in this life, we are to be pitied. Oh, look at those poor Christians following some dead guy's dreams. See, if, if Jesus had not been raised from the dead, there is no Christianity. There is no faith. There is no hope. All that's left is futility. All that's left is for us Christians to be pitied. But... But as the Apostle Paul says in verse 20, Christ has in fact been raised from the dead. So now let's go back and turn all those things around. Let's go back to that list of negatives and make them all positives. Because in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Since Christ has been raised from the dead, our preaching, our teaching is useful and beneficial. Our faith is valuable and to be prized. Our testimony about God is true. 
We are not lost in our sins, but rather we are saved from our sins and given new life. There is hope, real, substantive anticipation that we will see those who have died in Christ because they are alive, just as Jesus is alive. The Christian life is not to be pitied, but it is to be envied. It is to be desired above all. Oh, the difference the resurrection makes. It changes everything. Perhaps the greatest symbol of Christianity is not the empty cross, but the empty tomb. We are people of the cross, but only because we are people of the resurrection. Both events, the substitutionary death of Christ on the cross and the powerful, vindicating resurrection of Christ from the dead, only find their true meaning when they are together. The fact of the resurrection is a very bedrock belief on which all of Christianity stands. And it's not just a point in a doctrinal statement. The ramifications of the fact of the resurrection of Jesus changes our lives now. Gives us hope now and for the future. As Paul said 1 Corinthians 15, 20, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Resurrection is stronger than death. The second thought this morning is that fact. Resurrection is the defeat of death. Paul calls death an enemy. Let's be clear about this. Death is not a friend. Death is not simply a doorway into eternity. Death is an enemy. But it's an enemy that has been destroyed because of Jesus' victory over death on that first Easter. Can you imagine being free from the fear of death? Can you imagine being free from the fear of death? How much fear is related to the fear of death and its finality? But what if we can... Take a look at the enemy death in its face. Imagine the worst scenario of all and say that even that, even that death will not be the end. You see, when power is abused, the weapon that is wielded is the fear of death. Tyrants and thieves and dictators and despots all resort to one ultimate threat, the threat of death. But when death no longer holds a sting, tyrants no longer have any power. That's what happened in the early centuries when Caesar after Caesar would threaten to kill the Christians if they wouldn't renounce Christ and worship them. Yet these Christians were free from the fear of death. They knew they belonged to the one who had conquered death, to the one who had been raised up. That's why it's so important that we understand what really happened to Jesus. He didn't have a near-death experience and was then resuscitated. He didn't pass out on the cross only to be refreshed by the cool air of the tomb. He was killed. He died. The piercing of his side which caused the blood and water to flow is a definitive medical note on the finality of his death. Plus, 
the testimony of all that were there, including the Roman authorities, including the Jewish leaders, all attest to the death of Jesus. Jesus truly died, conquering death. He rose up from the grave. 1 Corinthians 15, 3-8 says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scripture, and that He appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Then He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Here's what's of first importance. Christ died for our sins. He was buried, and he was raised again on the third day. That, folks, is what is of first importance. Jesus' resurrection defeated death. And Jesus' resurrection defeats our death. Yes, we're all going to die. Statistically speaking, death still has a 100% success rate. But for Christians, for true followers of Christ, we will never perish. Because Christ's resurrection defeated death. Because God's love is stronger than death. The great verse. So many of us know. John 3.16 For God so loved the world. For God so loved you. For God so loved me. That he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him. What? Shall never perish. But have everlasting life. You see love is stronger than death. The next thing we know is that resurrection is our victory. At the end there of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting at verse 54, it says, when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, death, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Death is not the victor. Death no longer has its sting. No, God has given to us, to us, the victory through the one who conquered death, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Since Jesus' resurrection has conquered death for us, and given us the victory, what ramifications does that have for our lives today? Since God has raised us to new life in Christ, since God has seated us with Christ in the heavenly places, since we are to never perish, how should that affect our lives today? Since we've been given life, abundant life, and eternal life, Shouldn't that truth actually change the very way we live our day-to-day lives? Since the greatest question in life has been answered, what will happen to us when we die? Since the deepest grief has been assuaged, 
Since the greatest fear has been alleviated, shouldn't that affect the way we handle the daily stresses of our lives? Since we know for sure that we're going to win in the end, since we know for sure that we've been given the victory in Christ, shouldn't that change the way we play the game? Shouldn't that change how we actually live our lives? Look at your life right now. Look at your life right now. What pain can be alleviated right now by the truth of the victory that we have been given through the resurrection of Jesus Christ? What peace can be gained in your life right now by this truth? What heartache can be tempered right now by this truth? What worry can be allayed right now by the truth of the resurrection of our Jesus Christ? What loss can be relieved right now by this truth? What joy can be attained right now by this truth? The truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Folks, can you see it? Can you see that the truth of the victory that has been given to us because of Jesus' resurrection, conquering death can change the very way we live our daily lives right now. The resurrection changes everything. Martin Luther wrote, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? This is so true that even Satan can't deny it. Christ's resurrection and victory over sin Death and hell is greater than all of heaven and earth. You can never imagine his resurrection and victory so great. But that in actuality, it is far, far greater. Well, that leads me to the last thing about our resurrection that we learn from Paul. Resurrection is a gift. Paul wrote, For as by a man came death, by man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. You see, just as death entered this world through one man, so has life through the resurrection of the one man, Jesus Christ. What did we do to deserve this? Nothing. What can you do to earn this? Nothing. Resurrection doesn't emerge from our potential. You can't deserve it. Resurrection is not something we can achieve. No one can raise themselves up from the dead, for only in Christ can we be made alive. That is such good news. You know what? The resurrection life can begin in you today. You see, Jesus died on the cross as our substitute for our sins. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake, God made Jesus to be sin, who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 1 John 4.9 and 10 says, And this is the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation, 
the atoning sacrifice for our sins. The death of Jesus on the cross for our sins secured our salvation. And then in Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with a heart one believes and is justified, and with a mouth one confesses and is saved. God raised Jesus from the dead to guarantee our salvation. Both events, the substitutionary death of Christ on the cross and the powerful vindicating resurrection of Jesus from the dead, find their true meaning only when they are put together. Perhaps today, if you've never come to Christ, you need to gaze into the empty tomb as the women did on that first resurrection morning and hear the angel say, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. For he has risen, as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. Today is your day to embrace the truth that Jesus died for your sins. To embrace the fact that Jesus rose from the dead, securing your salvation. Today is your day to accept the gift of the resurrection. Because the resurrection It's a fact. The resurrection defeated death. The resurrection is our victory. The Apostle Paul finishes Romans 8 with this powerful truth. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Because Jesus took our sin and let its just punishment fall on Him. Because Jesus took on death and let it expend its power on Him. Because the Father and all of His power and all of His love raised Jesus up from the grave, vindicating for all time the truth of the gospel message. So now for all those who are in Christ, nothing, nothing, not even death can separate you from the love of God. Did you hear that? Nothing, not even death can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our risen Lord. This is love because his love is stronger than death. Let's pray. Father, now in this moment, we come to you in light of the truth, the fact of the resurrection, opening up our hearts and our thoughts to the movement of your spirit in our lives. Gracious God, you have loved us with an everlasting love. You sent your son to earth because you love us. Jesus, you laid down your life willingly because you love us. In your death on the cross, we see your love. And in your resurrection, we see the Father's love, a love that will not let us go. If you've never put your trust in the resurrected Lord, you can pray right now to yourself 
from your heart to the Lord. Pray these kind of things in your own words. Admit. Admit your sin. Admit that you can't earn your salvation. Admit that you can't raise yourself. And then believe. Believe that Jesus died for your sins. Believe that he was a sacrifice for you. And that he rose again. Confess. Confess him as your Lord and Savior. Confess him as the leader and forgiver of your life. Confess that he is who he said he is. Today can be your day to go from death to life. Today receive the gift of the resurrection life, of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Well, today, if you're a follower of Christ here today, if you've been praying and pouring out your heart to Him, ponder anew how the truth of the resurrection should be impacting your daily life. For we've been given victory through Christ. Today we gather to celebrate the fact that God raised Jesus from the dead. It's in the name of our risen Savior we pray. Amen.